Kia ora Fano. Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation, brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. The Stratus starter kit is under 25 bucks for three pods. Those pods include a little bit of nicotine to help smokers get off smoking. That's what this is all about. Each pod lasts most users, that's the average user, several days. So for 25 bucks, you basically get, let's say, two to four weeks worth of replacements for cigarettes for the cost of one packet of cigarettes. And then to follow on from their pods are... Less than 20 bucks for four, so you can see why it's the most affordable alternative to smoking and a way to um, make a less harmful choice in your life to give up smoking. Find out more about Stratus at Vaporium.nz. Uh, so today we have with us an award-winning journalist, uh, been seen on our TV screens and heard on our radio stations for the past 12, 13 years. You've seen her doing sports on TVNZ. If you're lucky enough to be in the Christchurch area, you would have heard her on your The Hits breakfast show for a while before COVID came in and decided to kick some people's ass. It's Brody Kane. It was a great fun chat with her. And here she is for you. All good in the hood as we live stream. There we are. We're on to it with Brody Kane. Kia ora, Brody. Good Pat. How are you? I'm doing bloody marvellous things for asking and yourself. Um, I'm fantastic. It's Friday, so Friday's always a great day. It's a beautiful day here in Ototahi Christchurch. Uh, got a nice sort of low-key weekend planned, so yeah. all is well, actually. And I'm sure, I mean, I think most of us first probably saw you doing uh, sports news on TVNZ. I'm sure you're uh, you're all about the game this weekend. You're going to be down for the North-South? Yeah, well, because, you know, the funny thing is, because remember, obviously, it was supposed to be, uh, was it supposed to be last weekend, wasn't it? And then, obviously, COVID. Um, So I'd actually kind of, I I wasn't aware that it was, when it had been put put to, and someone said to me, oh, you're going to watch it tomorrow night? I was like, oh, it's tomorrow night. So absolutely, well, um, I think it's at 10 past seven or something, which is like, okay, but I'll 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 be in for that, and you know that I'll be south. So, yeah, it'd be good to watch that, have a couple of gins. Is that who you are? Are you a uh, Christchurch girl through and through? Is this where the, uh, the, the, the broadster was raised and born and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, born in Christchurch, yep. raised in Christchurch. I did leave, I left and lived, I have lived a fair bit in Auckland. I moved up when I was 21 and spent sort of about eight-ish years over a 10-year period up there and loved it, but yeah, I'm I'm a proud Cantab, and you know how some people roll their eyes at that, but we, you know, we're very proud people. Yeah, no. And when you came back from uh, from Auckland, the friends and family they welcomed you back. You didn't have to go through some kind of ceremony first to kind of get that Auckland off you. Well, it is quite funny because I do. I, it's funny that you said it because I remember not long after I, the very first time that I moved up there, I came the first time I came back down just to you know catch up with everyone. Um, my auntie said to me, oh, look at your... Uh, we were out walking or something, and she said to me, oh, that looks very Ponsonby Road, what you're wearing. And I was like, I didn't buy any of this in Auckland. This is all from Christchurch. You've completely, you know, created this whole um, scenario of of the fact that I all of a sudden now look like an Aucklander. So that, that kind of stuff has always happened. Um, and I think that you, even by my own admission... Auckland, especially the climate, is so much different. So any time that I've come down to Christchurch and you, you tackle your first Christchurch winter again, you realise how much of a sook you became <laughs> living in Auckland. It's like, oh, my God, it's so cold. 
Yeah, my my uh, father's constantly telling me that uh, he lives in a sort of retirement complex and in a, in a, in a he looks after himself. It's not a retirement village, but it's like an apartment building. And he's like, oh, yep, now we put on the heat pump for the first time today. It's like June the 12th. And I'm like, I'm on my third cubic metre of firewood and... I get it, because we're down, we're down in Dunedin, obviously, for people who are who are just tuning in. So yeah, so much yeah, like yourself, although colder. I well, it is colder, um, but it's also oh, I don't know if it is cold. Oh, it is cold. Yeah, it's colder, but it's also less windy. I mean, it, no, you guys it's kind of we get the colder mornings, so we get those frosts, but then your days can be colder. Yeah, no, look, I'm a, I'm born and bred, you know, forty years out of Auckland. And then moved to Dunedin, so I'm sort of the opposite of you. But I'm I'll be uh, gosh, I guess I'll be I'll be voting for the South as well this weekend. I probably actually won't don't give a shit about either team. I just want to watch a good game of footy, to be honest. It's kind of a shame that um, no one will be there either, because it would have just sort of enhanced that such a such a unique um, game as well. It's a, that is a real bummer. But I'm sort of like you. To, I mean, yeah, of course I'll go for South, but I I'm just. Pleased to see some live sport, so um, bring it on, 10 past 7. i got a mate, um, spent a lot of time playing and watching basketball in the 1990s. Like, I, I played a lot of basketball. My body's feeling it now from those years ago. And, of course, that was the golden age of NBA with Jordan coming through and kind of taking the game to the world on a bigger scale. I was talking to a mate of mine just a couple of days ago who we were the – there was a crew of us that did all these things and played and watched it together. And we both agree that we don't really have a team in the NBA anymore. And actually, it's more enjoyable to watch because, you know, you have the odd thing here and there that you want this person. Like, I want Kawhi to do well this year. I want, you know, there'd be something quite cool about LeBron winning this year to kind of solidify his greatness. But actually, I don't have a team, so I just watch the NBA now to watch good basketball. And it actually makes it, for me, more enjoyable and less stressful, for want of a better word. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I know that firsthand when, with being a Warriors supporter, um, <laughs> How how hard that can be when you do have a team and maybe they're not doing so well. But I on the basketball, I mean, I would would openly admit that I'm not a I'm not a huge basketball watcher. I'm, I appreciate sports people that do anything, but when I watched that um, Michael Jordan doco, that just I was hooked. I couldn't stop watching that. That was so fascinating, um, and they are such remarkable sports people put under so much pressure. Um, it was it was it was really really interesting, and it sort of gave me a whole new appreciation appreciation for the sport. Much like the um, Formula One. Did you watch the Formula One doco? I haven't watched it yet, but it is in my to watch list. Yeah, it's so good. Mum and I watched it actually during lockdown, lockdown one point zero, <laughs> um, and we were both hooked. You know about it just it just sort of draws you in because it's. I think we love what's so good about some of these docos that are coming out these days, is it's such unprecedented access, and they're so well put together, and you just haven't. I mean, I'm not saying docos haven't always been great, but you know, if I talk about those two in particular, oh, they're just incredible. I um the thing I like most about it, and I was going to show you something here. I'm not. This is not a brag thing here, but I'll show you one of my Instagram posts from a couple of years ago. Hang on, if I push this. So these are remnants, I don't know if you can see up close, even though you're not a basketball supporter necessarily. This is like 45 Shaquille O'Neal rookie cards from 1990, 1991 and 1992. All still in their their plastic, basically taken out of the containers and and mint as. 
that's the kind of basketball nut I was uh, back in the back in the 1990s. So I, I consumed, there's some Jordans in there as well, I think, but primarily it was when Shaquille was a rookie and they, that one there is a college card. Um, there's a draft card down here, which is autographed with him and Penny Hardaway. Um, so I was, I was a you nut. You still have all of those? They, yeah, yeah. You still have them? Yeah, yeah. And all like that. They're all wrapped. So they, well, you're going to say they're worth a lot. Sorry to, sorry to go there, but would they be worth a bit? Uh, not like... So obviously the most expensive stuff is the older stuff. When Jordan came out, um, his rookie card, one of his rookie cards sold, I think, this year for $100,000. Um, that's from 86, I think. These ones are from about 91. And what happened at the late 80s, early 90s, is there was a revival of basketball cards. And even here in New Zealand, there was basketball cards. There was card shops on Queen Street in Auckland and, 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 and in Monaco City and that sort of thing. So I think because there was an explosion of, of basketball cards and of football cards, but you know, basketball was the leading ones, you know, they made them tenfold. So something that's mm-hmm. now 30 years old or 28 years old, if in 1990, something that was 28 years old would be worth a lot of money today. But today, something that's worth, I mean, there might be two to four grand with the cards there altogether. So they're worth something, but nothing yeah. like sort of 86 and before. They could, because there's so much fewer of them, um, they're exponentially mm. more expensive. So, so yeah, the answer is yes, something, but nothing like, I mean, it's not a jackpot. There's not a lotto win in that lot. <laughs> but what yeah. I was going to say is that oh, was the kind cool. of that's the kind of nut I was. So, the thing I enjoyed about the last dance was I I I was the kind of teenage kid who bought Michael Jordan VCR tapes. So I had a whole bunch of his. He had like a half dozen VCR tapes out, um, and you could buy them, and they were like a, a cross between diction, uh, dictionary, sorry, documentary and sort of film, um, and and highlight packages and all sorts of things. I had all of those, so. I've painted how sad I am. The point I was going to make, though, there was so much footage in that documentary series that I had never seen. And I'm not saying I am the bastion of everything, but I consumed everything in the 90s. And, you know, 50% of the footage that was in that I still hadn't seen. So that just goes to show, to your point, how unprecedented the actual access was. Yeah, it was just 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 a great watch. And I love the you know, I think we're seeing more of it as well, into the minds of some of the best athletes in the world. And it's, you know, a lot of them are, you know, people go, oh, they're difficult and divas and all that. And it's like, well, you can actually see why, because they're literally striving to be the best in the world. And to be the best in the world, you just, you have to be on a completely whole nother level to to go there. So I, I, I think it's good for people to see those, to see what, kind of level you have to get to yeah I think that me and my, my friend Paul who I was talking with the other day about about basketball um, we both agreed that we were more um, more impressed with seeing and learning more about Jordan as a competitor but we were less impressed with wanting to be his mate like he came across mm. as someone I, I don't want to be his mate but I'm even because he you know, because that, that competitive nature goes to the nth degree, it would be exhausting to be friends with them. But when you see that in the form of a of a play, it, it even more impressed us. And and guys are coming out now and complaining like Horace Grant and Bill Cartwright and stuff. And the reality is, if Michael wasn't there, they wouldn't have any rings to complain about. So, you know, mm. take your lumps and enjoy the, yeah. the fame of being a three- or six-time champion, depending how long you were there for. Exactly, exactly. So um, it was, it was very good. I talked to Polly Gillespie yesterday. It's funny that we have a couple of uh, former The Hits um, breakfast hosts on in a row. But the old COVID, um, you you were 
I was going to ask, why did you leave TVNZ? I've been thinking about that of recent times. It seems that the 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 public coffers, TVNZ, Radio New Zealand, those places, that must be a dream today. Now, you didn't leave today. You left previously. But with COVID coming through and wiping out so many media positions, working for a government media entity must be what everyone would love to do at the moment because they must be the most secure jobs. Why did you leave TVNZ? Um, well, at the time, I was approached to, you know, explore some other opportunities. And I just actually have always... I started my career in radio and I've always had a massive soft spot for radio. And I felt that I was in a p- position in my career and it was a tricky kind of area that I had grappled with for a, for a couple of years or so where, um, you know, I was kind of stepping away from hard news and, and you know, like serious journalism. And I was sort of kept on creeping into that realm of personality-based stuff. And so, uh, you know, going to a, being offered a breakfast radio gig seemed like a great way to expand that. Yeah. And I, I always thought, if you know, a, a, you, a dream gig is a, is a show, a breakfast radio show. And, you know, it was it was down at home in Christchurch and it was with a great guy, Dave Fitzgerald, who yep. is, you know, highly regarded in the industry and the job, and it was a show that was an underdog massively um, in terms of um, ratings and stuff like that. So it seemed like a really good challenge. Like maybe, you know, when people go to you, oh, is it a step up or is it a step sideways? I sort of don't like to define those things. It's like... It's just what I need to do in the now. Mm. And so I weighed it up and it was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get back down there and, and give it a crack. And um, so that was sort of the main reason, just to take a risk and, and see how it went. Is it something that I've, I've you know, I did 20 years plus of radio, um, got out and well, well, did I get out of it? I, I, left, I left some jobs by choice. And other jobs kind of floated away from me, <laughs> trying to reach them and couldn't quite get them. Um, but I, but I've always thought if if I was to ever get back into it, not that necessarily I'm saying not saying I'm saying there's offers out there or anything. I'd want some kind of assurances because it's such a finicky industry. Like the, they can, ju- I mean, I was working for uh, the hit, well, it was classic hits at the time, classic hits and ZB and station called Viva in Auckland in 2008 when the first crash came through. And, um, you know, the global uh, financial crisis. And I saw quite quickly how fickle it is. People, you know, all of a sudden there was, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just making up numbers here, but as an example, there might have been, you know, six breakfast shows in the bottom half of the South, uh, the North Island that turned into one or two coming out of Wellington sort of thing. And I've always, and that was kind of the, the wake up call for me to kind of go, you need to have a side hustle here. You need to have other stuff going on because it's a, it's a, fickle industry that you can't really rely on all the time when you went into your negotiations not to know the personal details but what kind of assurances did you want or were given for you know we're not going to turn this off in six weeks time because it can happen well I think you you know you're acutely aware you're acutely aware that you have a use by date (laughs) and sometimes you might not know when that is but the listener might decide that or um the company goes in a different direction. So I think that's something that you have to go into it knowing and 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 it's brutal. Like you might be you guys might be 
the best radio show out there, but if no one's listening to it, then it doesn't matter if you think you're the best radio show. So you go into it and going, I have to give this everything and I will give this everything. And if it doesn't work out for whatever reason beyond my control, I can walk away with my head held high. Mm. And I did do that this year. When that happened, I went, I left everything on the floor. I couldn't have given it any more. And Fitzy couldn't have either. So we went, you know what? That wasn't, it wasn't bittersweet because it was like, okay, we threw everything at it. It's not part of the plan right now. And, and that, that has to be. So I think if you do that, I think, interestingly enough, I became, I don't know if cynical is quite the right word, maybe it is, <laughs> but I remember, um, like, starting on Seven Sharp when Seven Sharp started. Right. And learning, you know, and being in a position where what Seven Sharp was trying to do was a new, well, you know, a, a different kind of format. So you'd had a very serious current affairs show at 7 o'clock and then, you know, we, we're always a bit adept to, to change and then big change came. And so, you know, it went down like a cup of cold sick for a lot of the public and also, you know, media commentators. And all of a sudden, everyone even in the media had an opinion on it. But you were learning, so so you saw all of that and everyone would share all of that. But you could also see the reality of what they were trying to achieve. And essentially what was trying to, they were trying to do is be aware that, not everyone is sitting at home for 90 minutes wanting to watch serious television. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to change with the times. And I have full respect for people that are wanting to change with different audiences and, you know, appeal to different people. So I could see that side of things as well, um, which is, I think, I think because I was still, you know, that was 2013. So I was still relatively young then and... I think it gave me a, a, a good perspective on going, okay, you've got you've kind of got to move with things. And I and I don't think everyone does that, but it, it gave me a, a good, I guess, indication that, you know, you are good for this and then maybe not next week you're not the right person or things have constantly have to sort of keep moving and, and, and changing and, and so I sort of learned that pretty early on. It's an it's an interesting thing that you're saying it almost sounds like you need to be flexible and malleable to kind of to fit in with where media is going because I'm not suggesting that that's the wrong place to be but I think also the equal and opposite is true you know people who come in and who are disruptors like who do the opposite can also find success as well maybe it's it's I was going to say... Well, usually men, Pat. Usually men. Do you think that's true? Do you think that women are, are yeah. harder to be disruptors than men? Yeah. That's interesting. Why? Tell me about that. Expand well, on that for me. Well, you, you give me a female disruptor versus male disruptor in well, the media. Well, give me any disruptor to start off with. I mean... I mean, well, if we're talking... Like, if we're talking provocative... Uh, if we're talking Mike Hosking, Paul Henry... Mike uh, Eskin, Mike, Duncan Garner. No, sorry, Mike, Mike Hosking's not. Sean not, Plunkett. No, they're not. I don't believe they're disruptors. In fact, I was. Not disruptors? No, I, I was following, you know, when I finished up my tenure at ZB, I was talking to Radio and Live and stuff at the time, and I got told very clearly by the bosses there, oh, we believe conservative talk is the next 10 years of talk. They're not disruptors. They're actually fitting into that narrative. And to be honest with you, right. and this is the comment that will probably uh, stop me ever working for ZB again, 
I don't think Mike Hoskins has done very much with his career other than um, jump on other people's coattails. I mean, yes, he started breakfast. Credit, credit where due. Then he followed on from Holmes in the 7 o'clock show and got big ratings that were built by Holmes. He followed on from Holmes and ZB and continued the ratings because I give credit that he hasn't killed an audience, but he's he's sitting there on um, other people's audiences. He is making them his own. I mean, give credit, but he's he hasn't come in and changed everything. I mean, I think of a disruptor as someone who changes the focus and changes the way things are done and moves in a new direction. That's not those guys you've just listed. They've continued on, right. in my in my opinion. Well, no, I, th- I guess what I was... I, I guess where I was going with, with that is that there are a lot more men in those positions and with a lot more to say, uh, whereas where are the, where are the strong... Yeah. Women. I was going to say the irony was I was going to say where are the strong stroppy women and the bullshit thing about that is that it's like well we don't call the men stroppy but when the women are feisty and that it's like oh whoa but you know I mean you've got again not again probably you know, the wrong word is disruptive you know you've got wonderful people like Catherine Ryan and Kim Hill and Kim Hill definitely you know on Radio New Zealand but yeah. not a lot of people not a lot of like uh, I guess. Not, not news hounds would listen to that, and a younger sort of generation would 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 know these wonderful women because they're not. You know, I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is that they're not on your tally or your you know do, do you mainstream know though, radio. Do, do you know though? That's one of the things that excites me about what you're up to at the moment. As I bring up the girls uninterrupted on the screen for those of us who are watching, is that. You have to remember, and I have to remember this because I'm caught in this um, in this thing as well, is that mainstream media is boring and tame. It's not likely the place you're going to find these people. Not that I was just because I was talking to her yesterday, but I think about Polly Gillespie as a broadcaster, and she certainly stuck it stuck to it with the quote unquote big boys, and she certainly had a different t- um, um, a different style than most you know female broadcasters out there, and she did it for a long time. And and she's just announced yesterday that she's got a new radio show coming up, and she seems like I think she said this on air yesterday as a post privately to me that she's got full control, so she is able to do what she wants and wish wants. And you might find that she might be someone who's coming back into the mainstream marketplace as this person you're describing. But but what the point being was I don't think that I don't think mainstream market is set up necessarily for these people, and I think things like. Um, podcasts and now independent broadcasts and that's the place that they can come to and that's the place you were talking about younger people that younger people actually flood to to find them anyway yeah and I, like don't don't get me wrong you know there are some wonderful and very very strong women within within the mainstream media like there's some great women that are broadcasters I think um, as you say, you know, there are sort of particular sort of rules and stuff. And, and the reality is there still are more men in those roles. Oh, completely. Like, it's just reality. So um, I, I guess by, by, you know, vir- think, oh. by virtue of numbers, you're right. Because if there's a you know 50 men and five women in those kinds of positions, then you're going to find the person who is the maverick or the, you know, the outside of the box is more statistic is likely more statistical to be a man anyway, because purely based on the numbers. Look, I, I mean, not to not to kind of talk about what we're doing here, but one of the reasons this whole my whole podcast set up was an exact uh, is a reaction against what the mainstream media is doing. I remember it like like it was yesterday watching TVNZ watching um, a news item and 
they had a seven-second video clip that accompanied that news item. It was on TVNZ.co.nz. They, and it felt like they were saying to me, they're there. Um, all you can do at the moment is handle a seven-second video clip. Where Our research has been done, and it says the shorter the video clip, the better for click-throughs and stuff. And I'm just like, fuck, I, that's, no, fuck off. I want more than a seven-second video clip. I want to look at these topics or issues or conversations, and I want to be able to sit with them and go, well, what about, and what about? Just look at my phone this morning. Holy crap, I was talking to a mate of mine up the hill. I, I, it's a, we wrote a novel talking about a subject matter, just going further into it, and what do you think, what do I think? And, and so what I've tried to actually do is almost the opposite of that because I I think it feels like a, I want to respect someone to go into the conversation fully and wholly and say, and then what? It's what I used to do on Talkback all the time and, and say, and then what? What next? What's the downstream effect? And then what? And that's what we're trying to do. And I, and I, and I yeah, so I, I, I hate that kind of, following along with the, being malleable a little bit. Maybe it's my rebellious Irish nature coming out. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, but, it, you know, it's... Um, I think the really exciting thing is um, that the way that people are accessing their media, whatever it is, whether it's um, news or, you know, whether it's Netflix, whether it's podcasts, you know, there's so many options for people. And so... The, um, there's a lot more freedom there and people have more choice. And I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I just think it just enhances um, people that want to be involved in that, you know, you're allowed to have a lot more creativity and um, control over over what you're doing. And I still think that's really, really important to adhere to your, you know, the ethics and, and laws that are put in place for very good reasons. But, you know, it's so good that there are so many other ways that you can delve into stuff like you can you know you could probably find a podcast on you know the study of the blowfly if you wanted to or you know anything you know it's so good how much how much is out there for people um to to, to access in, in different ways it's not just traditional forms of media well and and saying that tell us about um your uh, this was a, a product that was you were doing with the hits called girls on top was that right so we yeah, we started Girls on Top when I was working at NZME and um then when I left we relaunched so that we so that it was ours. Um and now it's called the Girls Uninterrupted. So, so we started is, it. Is that is that because thing. is that because NZME had some ownership? Like they had We just wanted we just wanted to own it, which meant that we we relaunched it. Right, okay. Same people, um, same format sort of thing, different name? Exactly. yep. Okay. Yep. And so we relaunched in right in the middle of lockdown. And what is quite interesting about this podcast is it started as well. We 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 actually originally started the podcast. It was called the Heartbreakers because we were to oh. review the. I've, I'd always wanted to do a podcast, and then um, we started. Someone sort of threw us together to review Heartbreak Island. Can you remember that show, Heartbreak Island? Oh God, I'm not. I'm not good with it reality was, TV. <laughs> One of those shows. Anyway, um, and so we we started doing that, and what became apparent is that the more entertaining stuff was actually just when we were giggling about silly other things. And so at the end of it, I said to um, Gracie and Caitlin, let's, should we keep going? Should we do our own podcast? And so we just, we, we sort of almost said, like, 
we're, we're just going to do this. And they were sort of like, well, we don't really know if we can resource it. And we said, leave it, leave it with it. Just leave it with us. Can we just chip away? And so we did. We just chipped away, um, recorded every week. And it did. It just started as three women sitting around just talking about ourselves really in a really sort of normal, like our lives essentially. Yeah. And then which has now in quite an overwhelming but in very sort of humbling way become a real sort of community-type podcast for women to come and listen and feel safe to have conversations about anything women want to talk about. And I think in the early days, we were probably all just winging it, you know? And then the more we would talk about, so the first few times that we would sort of like, oh, my God, we're talking about, our sex lives out loud or penises or career, you know, really scary career stuff or, or anything, um, the more we sort of opened up, people just were loving it and it just sort of grew and grew and grew um, and has become a pretty amazing product that we're all really, really proud of because it is for us now a place where we want women to feel safe and comfortable and be able to have those conversations that for many, many years and centuries women haven't had. So we, we, we love it. It's, it's, you know, for sometimes it's our own form of therapy for ourselves, yeah. but we know that um, it, it helps a lot of women out there. I had a, I had a podcast last week with uh, Kim Crossman, Kimberly Crossman. And, um, oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, and she, she does a podcast and she does it in America, of course, because she's working with various people like, you know, Stephen Fry and uh, she gets to have some interesting uh, guests on, but it's really based around mental health and um, her mental health um, issues and stuff she's worked through. But then that's the subject matter that she often talks to these, um, you know, Hollywood actors and actresses and people about. So again, it's like a cathartic um, conversation she has for herself, but also it seems so many people are finding, can you say cathartism? Whatever. They're finding other people are finding cathartic as well. So yeah, I get it. Which We're, is great. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so lovely is, as, 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 as you say, you can find a podcast on Blowflies. I should Google it. There probably is one. Um, because Boy. you can really go niche and then you find exactly what, what you want. Um, the other thing that's great about um, podcasts or even um, it feels a bit similar, you know how Netflix will donate, do like a short run documentary series, like four parts. Same sort of thing as you can then find something that's a short series, like Black Hands, which is the um, the David Bain one that I think RNZ put out. Um, still haven't, I still haven't done yeah, that, but I need to. But sort of a short form topical conversation that is too hard to fit into a you know, an hour-long radio program or a, or a you know, 3,000-word essay. So they make a 10-part series, and that's that's kind of cool as well. Yeah, so it's it's. I think New Zealand's a little bit behind on how we handle podcasts. I think the American market and the American model has, um, is moving, and I think, unfortunately for us, and maybe because we're a small marketplace, the, um, the, both the, the advertisers don't quite understand it yet. And those who are selling the advertising are trying to hold on to the the grasp they've got for this small market. And when people figure out that this is a much more effective way of getting your message across, then um, then I think that's where we'll find a whole bunch of people doing this and being able to do it as a full-time, full-time gig, which will be amazing. We'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring it on. I say bring it on. Yes. Um, the, we, I think that's always quite a, I mean, 
I can I can say that it's a, a sweet little New Zealand thing, but I'm like you. I'm like, okay, come on, let's catch up now. Let's go, let's go. But we are. We we sometimes are a little bit um, yeah. behind the eight ball. But I mean, gosh, people are listening to podcasts. People are listening in their cars. You know, like people. You know, are working out at the gym, going running, and you know, it, it is amazing how many people love it. And what I think I like about it as well is um, uh, the time that you have. So um, it just is such a relaxed space already because there's no rush. Mm, totally, and, totally. you know, like uh, with my, uh, my another one that I started recently, Kiwi Yarns, it's like instead of someone rushing into a studio, plonking them on a seat, hey, tell me about your book in about 30 seconds. Thank you, cool, nice, see you later. Or, you know, clipping up the best 15-second audio grab of someone. Someone's got an hour yeah. to tell you, or however long, yeah. to tell you about themselves. And I love sitting down with people, in any podcast or no podcast, over a beer or whatever, that's why I love do, doing what I do so much, is just people just sitting and feeling comfortable and talking about their life, their life and how they got to where they are and any of that stuff. And that's what I love is that I don't know. Yeah, that and your doco kind of series stuff mm. are, are places that just can seem to be able to do that so beautifully. Um, and that, uh, that's what I think is so good about them. Yeah. No, I, I often use an example when people kind of go, well, who's your demographic? I kind of go, but we're a bit weird because we talk to everyone about everything. So it's sort of people who like interesting conversations. We're not your blowfly kind of podcast. Um, but I say to them, but what you'll get is, and I use Die as an example. Hopefully he's okay with me saying this again. But, you know, it's the place you come and hear Die Henwood talking for 40 minutes about politics. You know, it's yeah. the, uh, that you don't hear in other places. You know, we had Emily Wrights from Spinoff, who's known by most people as sort of a parenting expert. And we talked to her for two hours in Queenstown, and the subject of parenting didn't come up once. And I, yeah, uh, it's funny, exactly. you, funny you talk about you know authors. I, I try and explain this to people who don't know anything about us um, by saying, uh, if I've got an author coming in, I say to them very clearly, I'm not interested in interviewing you about your book. I want to talk to you about your life. Now, obviously, the yeah. book is a big part of your life. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about your life. It's just a, it just skews it for a, a little bit differently to make, uh, to make the way we do it slightly different. And it's always fun. Yeah. And like I said to you before we went live, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. I guess we'll find out in thirty seconds. And we started with sport. I had, I literally had no idea that was going to be the first thing we talked about. And very, very few of these. There are some of them sometimes. They typically are the more academic ones, or, for example, when I'm talking to flat earthers, because that's always fun. Um, <laughs> very few of these I have notes for. Um, you know, I've got a, yeah. I've got, I've got some some tabs open, like your website and stuff. But I, I liken this style to um, my my beer fridges right here, literally. You know, sitting in the pub on a on a Friday night. It's eleven o'clock. I've just met this person. We're having a chat over a beer. That that's what this podcast yes. is, at least. It's so good, and 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 sitting there and having a beer with someone is great as well. So I I completely agree. It's a, it's a, it's 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 a. I'm sure you know your aim is so that other people get something out of it, but you equally get something out of it as well. That that's what I do. You know, it's like I love doing it. So I've, if you I, all enjoy yeah. it, then that's great. <laughs> I've sort of long been of the opinion that if I make something that I like, it'll find a market. It'll find an audience. And that's, that's typically what I've done right through my broadcasting career. Like I did talk back on ZB overnights where I followed on from um, 
a, a a short-term female host that was there who the audience didn't really like, didn't really didn't really work, didn't really for whatever reason, you know, as you say, we all have our use by date, so to speak. Um, and I went on board and kind of started a different show. In fact, I remember I got criticized once on in um, stuff, stuff.co.nz criticized me by, by saying, you know, it sounds like a daytime talkback show. But I took that as a huge compliment because that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted people to tune in and it wouldn't matter whether it was two o'clock in the afternoon with Danny or two o'clock in the morning with me. I wanted it to be similar in style. That's what I liked. And I found an audience and eventually it was the, the, the I mean, it was overnight. So it was ZB's a mammoth thing, but it became the biggest um, overnight radio show out of all the brands and all the, all the people. So it found an audience and I've kind of just followed that through. Good. So let's just hope that continues, though. We're finding an audience. Well, That's going on. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, um, so I also was interested to have a look at your website. Uh, uh, where's your website going? If I closed it down, that was done with me, wasn't it? Um, what else are you doing? Is there a road trip that's just happened with stuff you've been doing or um, what you're actually organising out of your overall... Obviously, you've come out the back of um, the COVID and of the hits and stuff, and... You, you've changed direction it's a, a bit like Polly perhaps and kind of taken more control of what you're doing. Is Brody Kane Media uh, a a new initiative from there or is it something that was already, always running in the background and you have just um, kind of started to push it to the forefront because you've got time now? I'm just going to clarify, I moved um, my microphone and that to get my face out of the sun and it made a squeaking noise. So if anyone thought that was a fart, it was my microphone. It's all right. Um, <laughs> now, no, so... Um, I have wanted to, for a few years now, have thought that one day I would quite like to run my own business um, or, or, or work for myself. I've always thought that that would be a dream. And so then when I got made redundant, um, I spent a lot of time in lockdown thinking, is this the time to do it? And it was like, well, I don't. Pretty sure there's not going to be a great deal of other jobs floating around <laughs> for, the, you know, for any time soon. Um, and so the... I made a decision that I was like, well, why not just start it, build a really cool website that can showcase your talents mm -hmm. um, and then just start hustling for, you know, and the, I guess the aim is, um, as I say, you've you've got to, you know, you, you, your website's essentially your part of your, a big part of your CV, who you yep. are, what you do. Your shop front. And exactly. And... I guess really focusing on those non-traditional forms of media, which are growing. So podcast, growing. Social media marketing, growing. Video, you know, YouTube, Vimeo, video content that's not accessed on television, growing. Um, blogging, vlogging, you know, you can turn your nose up at it. It's here to stay. It's yeah. growing. So um, that's sort of where that was born. I thought, well, if I can focus on... Things that I, you know, like I, I don't work in radio right now. I don't work in television. I don't work in print. So, but I, I've got skills in areas that I've gathered from those that I can take on to things that I already know how to do and have learned and I'm still learning um, to upskill in those other areas that are growing. So that was the idea. That is the idea. Um, I also want to, um, you know, in the future as well, take on some more podcasts. So if I want people to, if they want to try one, you know, come and get a bit of training, give it a whirl. If it works, great. Let's chuck it on the books, um, yeah. see how it goes. Um, I've just bought myself a brand new 
Canon camera so that I can train myself up to be a videographer as well. I just think that I want to, I want to be able to do everything. I want, you know, I eventually think that maybe I'll manage some people, you know, this is all big picture, but why not? Yeah, no, and it's a, it's once you get going and you can open the door for other people, like we've got, I'm, I'll show you this. This is actually another part of the studio. So we've got a second, we've got a second set up there. So that's, a, that's oh, another, wow. that's on the other side of the studio. We've got some people who come in and use that space as well. There's a couple of, same as you, the Rode Pog mics are sitting there on their stands. And yeah. so this is like four metres away from me over in uh, that direction. So we've set up cool. set up a similar thing, you know. This is my space and this is where I do my stuff, but we've got another space already set up and we say to people, you know, if you want to come and give it a go, if you want to come and partner with us, if you want to come and use us as a production house, we can we can do that for you. And we're making a couple of a couple of podcasts for people, one that's a commercial one for a real estate agent. They come in every two weeks and talk to Dunedin real estate market and then they talk a bit of rugby because we live in Dunedin and you know, I think that kind of opening the door for other people. But also, I, I like what you're talking about, you know, training yourself up on a camera. Um, you know, I've got an incredibly gifted and talented technical, I call him my technical director. We don't really have titles in this, but he basically built my studio and got everything going and trained me to use it. And and um, now we sort of work together to try and find work that we can both do. He's a filmmaker and a videographer. But in this current industry as well, if you can, and climate, if you can do it all yourself as well, then it's like you can keep your nuts smaller, you know. You don't have to find a thousand bucks a day to do X. You can just do it yourself in your own in your own stuff. So yeah, so we're trying to mm. we're, we're doing a similar thing. COVID came and kicked us in the balls a bit and kind of stopped what we were doing. But we're right at we were right at the start. We had a different studio. We had a studio in Central Dunedin, and we shut that down. And this is now my house where we built the studio downstairs, smaller. But we thought we'd go down and then start again and start to go back out. And yeah. Do, do it yourself. Keep your nuts small, um, and try and and try and live a um, a quality lifestyle with what you're doing. Love what you do, and and do it as much as you can. Yeah, I think um, you're right. It's an interesting year to, to do it all um, with COVID and a global pandemic. But then, when is a good time? So yeah. um, you know, you, uh, people often say to you, if you've got a dream like this and you always have to take risks you you won't tend to do them when you're comfortable so the best time to do it is when you are uncomfortable and look the reality is as well I mean I was saying to a couple of people earlier this week I was like I will have to find some other work like at the same time and that's cool and I don't I'm not quite sure what that is just yet but I'm currently exploring that if it's um mate I was even thinking about going back and doing lifeguarding over summer just as a uh-huh. so that I can do both and that you've got a reliable incoming coming in to pay those things we like to call mortgages um so you know just like just getting the hustle done it's great it's great fun it was quite well it was quite well I was going to say advertised that's the wrong way to say it publicized is a better word um you know if you look up Brody Kane and the first few stories that pop up are about COVID and classic or the hits and losing work and that did anyone come knocking after that and have opportunities popped up because you have been available for other work? Well, the, I guess the good thing is there's um, there's sort of more people approaching you about different kind of work, but it's been really tricky because I feel like there was a, quite a bit of work um, picking up a little bit and then Auckland went back into lockdown. Then I think it's they sort of paused, everything paused um, for a bit there. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I think it's yeah, more in those different 
realms. So quite a, you know, quite a bit with social media, quite mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. um, with businesses and stuff that uh, focused on products and that that still could companies and that that were still operating as per normal. Um, you did quite a bit with them, um, and so I, I I would hope that with I guess it's just such an unknown because everyone's sort of trying to operate as normal as possible, but you don't know if we're going to bung up a level again. So hopefully if we can get down to level one and and stay there for a period of time, things will pick up again. Well, hopefully the government's got their A into G. And I say that actually um, with a great deal of respect and thankfulness for the, you know, the work we did in the first lockdown. But it feels like that this COVID situation has been a mixture of uh, good governance and good luck. The good governance has been the decisions made around, you know, the first lockdown. The good luck has been, you know, it would appear that there's been some balls up at the border, not testing the people working at the border enough, yet still without doing that, it hasn't decimated the community again. That would be the good luck. So I think I think we've got a foot in both camp of good governance and good luck, but hopefully this latest kind of lockdown in Auckland, semi-lockdown, 2.5, whatever they call it. And it was just announced today for anyone who's watching us live that we're staying in 2.5 for Auckland and 2 for the rest of the country, probably for another two weeks. Um, hopefully that's the kick in the ass to go, uh, now when we go to level one, let's say, fingers crossed, in two weeks, the border will, you know, the, the airports will still stay at level three, whatever they have to, to ensure it stays as much as possible in the facilities and not in the community. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. That's the thing, I, you know. I think as much as we, yeah, like level two. If you need, if if we need level two for another couple of weeks to just really make sure we've got that shit locked down, and then you know, because no one wants to go back into one of those levels in summer. I, I, I you know. Oh my god! I yeah. know that people are doing it <laughs> tough, but we've just got to. Everyone's got to get used to wearing masks. Or, you know, it, we've just got to actually realise that this, unfortunately, is going to be part of our life lives for some time. Um, so. It's not just. It's not going to end at the end of the year. It's not going to. You know. It's not going to be like right. Everyone, um, don't worry. You know, we're going to be in masks for a long time. The things are going to change forever. Yeah. Um, you know. So- I, I, I think. I think you're right. I had this conversation just yesterday with somebody. It's like you know. I've got friends who are in Japan and parts of Asia who have been living with masks for for decades. Um, and you know, I got a friend in Japan, and she moved to Japan in the late nineties. She's half Kiwi, half Japan. And she was like, you know, masks are common over there. And every time she goes on a plane, she wears a mask. I think you'll see that kind of stuff now in the community of, in the world. Like I can imagine, and let's say in three years from now, this is all wrapped up and over and we've um, got a vaccine and it's not in the community. I can imagine still comfortably seeing people in masks sitting in airplanes, you know, going from Wellington to Auckland or whatever. I, I imagine it'll stay with us. When you actually think about it, Planes, you know, you're sitting in close contact with strangers. Air conditioning is circulating around the plane. Ooh. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm like, actually, and, and you know, I, I know that, I mean, I know that there's some, like, preliminary stats and, you know, there are lots of other um, parts of the health system where the numbers are quite low because people, the the, the normal flu rates and, and pneumonia things and that, are, some of them are quite, anecdotally, are quite low because... People are being a lot more hygienic and actually looking after themselves and staying at home when they're sick with us. You know, like, so we're probably all really healthy at the moment um, for doing these extra things and washing our hands 30 times a day and sanitising. You know, like, there's some lessons to be learned. I mean, it's been a hard bloody road learning them, but, you know. 
I'm just looking up as you're talking because um, there's been some pretty clear indicators around the world um, that we, we being, I guess, the species that is human, um, uh, the deaths are actually down all over the world for that exact reason. You know, we've got the the COVID deaths obviously going through the roof, um, which we haven't had before, but actual deaths um, are down because of that exact thing. I mean, you think about, I mean, this is a horrible one to think about America, but... I say I don't want to say this ignorantly and then go. Well, there was one yesterday, but when was the last time you heard about a mass shooting in America? Um, and I, I, I think I feel that there hasn't been any massive, massive, massive ones this year because people have been locked up and locked away, and there hasn't been the big events. And you know, there's not as many road, uh, deaths on the road because people aren't out and about. And as you say, you know, I'm not, I'm not shaking hands with someone and then going to visit an elderly person in a rest home and taking it with me, knocking out three of the retirement villages so yeah it's a, a if if this part of what we're learning can continue on we are healthier now and we will all remain healthier for the for, foreseeable future which would be amazing exactly exactly we, you know i i well I've, I've sort of been well i don't think i haven't been bragging about it but i haven't been even remotely rem, touch wood remotely sick this year not even a cough I haven't had to have that thing up my nose. I haven't even been at, at even one ounce of sick this year. Yeah, no, I got a, I got a little bit of, um, I, I got a little, there was a bit of a cold going around Dunedin, and it was in level one, so no one was too worried about it. I said this before, you know, the 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 case of the, I think it was a lady, but I'm not sure. But the, anyway, the person who was in the cluster in Auckland who travelled to Rotorua, and they had yeah. some symptoms, and I was like, well, dude, I had symptoms last week of a cold. But we were in level one, which means it wasn't in the community. So I didn't think twice about it. And probably if I had an opportunity to go to Wanaka or, you know, whatever, I would have gone, oh, I'm a, I've got a bit of a cold, but it's just a cold. I know it's just a cold because it's not in the community. So I get it. I get why she went or she or he went because it wasn't in the community. Little did she know or he know that they were the people in the community with it. So I get it. Um, so I've had a bit of a yeah, a bit of a cold that went around Dunedin, but we all knew straight away it was a cold because... Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't here. And then, then, don't, and then, don't you think this time around we've learnt that actually just because a level goes down doesn't mean our level of complacency should go down? And I think and that's, that that's what I've Definitely what yeah. happened with second round of Auckland lockdown. It's like, mate, if you're so, it's just like stay, you know, stay at home. This because there's so much. Un, yeah, I, I, th- I think we all went level one. Woo! Yeah. And yeah. then it was like, yeah. oh shit! Look yeah. how quickly it can turn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what would happen is, let, let's say we go to level one in two weeks from now, and then I got that same cold again. I would go and get tested. So, so I, I, yeah, I put yeah. my hand up and say, I mean, I was, I was correct. Now, whether that was once again my own personal good governance or good luck, maybe it was good luck. <laughs> um, but I, if it, that's what I've learned. If I would do it again, and like you know, I'm even though we're level two in Dunedin, as you guys are in Christchurch, there's not too much to worry about when it comes to concern about the person next to me in the supermarket having COVID. But I'm still now going. Well, not, not that I'd stop doing this, but you know, I've got. Um, alcohol rub in the car and washing hands. First thing the kids mm. do when they come back from school, wash your hands. You know, those are the kinds of things that if we choose to keep those on in our families and our communities, yeah, things like the flu and that kind of stuff, will, will numbers will go dram- down dramatically. I mean, during that first lockdown, whatever it was, five and a half weeks, I mean, it's probably fair to say they're probably, by the end of it, wasn't the flu wasn't in New Zealand, probably, because it'll have been through its cycle and everyone was inside. Yeah. Well, funny thing is that I, one thing I do quite like about Level 2, is, now, don't get me wrong, I love people and I love hugging and 
personal connection in that. But I do like the two metre gaps. Like, I hate when you're lining up somewhere at the petrol station or something and someone's breathing over your neck or, like, you know, you're at the airport and everyone's around the baggage carousel and everyone's all... Cra I'm like, no, no, let's all... Could we keep all those stickers on the ground, maybe, when we <laughs> when this all goes back to normal and just keep those? Can we all line up like that? That might be quite nice. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to look up that thing still about death rates, but, of course, what's happening at the moment, I'm just getting lists and lists and lists of coronavirus death rates, so yeah. we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, and, and look, uh, we're going to go to level one and it was pretty cool although it was pretty cool when we were like watching that Super Rugby Aotearoa with 40,000 people at Eden Park and 30,000 people down here at Frosty Boy Stadium and you know various but it, it was it was a good party and a good time and I think all that we need to do differently next time is be more mindful of the crowds who we're sitting next to and how we're looking after ourselves and that can come back now what it might have to mean is not 40,000 at Eden Park maybe 25,000 with a bit more kind of you know distance between people or or at the cricket or whatever, but that can come back again. And when you do feel sick under level one, you don't do what I did and go, yeah, I'm fine. You go, well, I'm probably fine, but I need to get checked anyway. There's just that little addendum on the yeah. end, you know. I I'm I, I mean, it's not in the community. I'm probably fine, but for the safety of everybody, this whole team of five million we keep hearing about, I'll I'll go get checked. Totally, I think it's not that hard. It's actually not that hard. Yeah. Have you had that thing up your nose at all yet, for any reason? No, because, again, I haven't had any reason to. What do you think about the asymptomatic situation, though? I mean, because that's the... That's yeah, the, that's that... very... I'll tell you why that's scary, is I remember when the announcement was made on that Monday for us to go into lockdown. Remember how quickly that all happened? Yeah. And I, I, I had been... In Auckland, so I'd still I, I'd gone up to Auckland um, on a which was already a planned trip, and um, I was supposed to actually Kelly Slater was supposed to be at Pihar surfing. God damn it! <laughs> and then that didn't happen, and I was going to meet him. And <sighs> anyway, um, so I'd still decided to go up, and I think that we still even at that point, which was, you know, I went to we went out for dinner to bloody Prego and. I will be the first to admit that I was, you know, I, I was behaving probably in a reckless manner. But, you know, we were drinking it round at a mate's place and stuff like that. And it wasn't actually till I got home on the Saturday before the Monday announcement and, and, and the Prime Minister did that address in her office, which, you know, is a big deal. And I started to feel terrible because I saw a meme that was like, you know, a meme, because that, that, that's serious news. But this was actually quite a good meme. It said, if you had to retrace your steps over the past 14 days, would you be embarrassed? And I went, I couldn't even, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so I started to, I was back in Christchurch, I'd been on a plane, and I started to feel horrific about that. And, and, and as then we got into lockdown, and I was like, oh, my God. And I just... I kid you not, for the 14 days, I felt like a, a shit person. Cause, and I, you know, I was I was in lockdown with mum, um, but my dad is uh, in his late 70s, so he, you know, he had to stay home. So I did his groceries and that, but it was just so weird not, you know, I was like, there's no way for these two weeks that I'm going anywhere near him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that weird thing of dropping the supermarket bags at the end of the driveway and, and but I just I, I felt terrible and I was like you could be one of those asymptomatic people 
and I was just very, very aware of that, and I felt like a shit person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we should all remind ourselves of that, especially, especially young. I mean, I know that young people have got really sick from from COVID and that as well. But you know, the, a lot of asymptomatic people are, 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 are younger and, and healthy people. So I always think that that's really scary because heaps of people are in that position. Yeah, yeah. And look, when we were about to go into that big lockdown, there was fucking two hundred university students had a party here. I was ropeable, like just be, just prior mm. to that, like on the Tuesday night or something, they all decided they'd have a party. And I was like, what? you?" And it's like university did really well. I think their messaging was look after your gran and pop. And I thought that was great, great messaging, you know, like like think of think of mum and dad or gran and pop back at home sort of thing. Um, but I think that's also why, and I, this whole kind of being blasé a bit about it, I think we became a bit comfortable about it because it was always going to come back into the community. It's impossible not to. Um, you know, someone at the border is going to get infected by someone who is asymptomatic who's going to take it back to their family. And the Prime Minister always said that, but I think we all kind of went, ah, nah, eh, we're, we're fine now. But now I think it's going, when we get to level one, at some stage this will still be back in the community and that will hopefully be the little wake-up call for the continuing on with what we need to do it's almost like we, we gave all the responsibility to those at the borders and those at the isolations and absolved ourselves of responsibility when we were in level one. But I think what this has done is gone, okay, we still have responsibility. You know, we've still got, we've still got really stuff we've got to do. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, okay, government decisions and that ultimately, and yes, there was some ish, definitely issues and, you know, not a lot of us weren't aware that um, those officials and that at the border and that weren't getting tested. And I know that, I, you know, learnt about that as well in terms of you can't just force people into tests. And I know that there were some really, um, some law changes that had to happen, and yeah, you know, yeah. so that you could be like, well, you need you work at the border, you to get tested because it's against the bloody Geneva Convention or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I often that's a point that I make that to people. I'm like, hang on a minute, a government can do so much, but what about the person? What mm. about individual responsibility? You, you know, and this is shit. It is shit. We're in a global pandemic. We, this is part of a big, massive part of history. And so, but then I also go, if you just wash your bloody hands and put your mask on when you're on your public transport and scan your bloody app and just, I know that we all love our freedom, but just do as you're bloody told with some simple tasks. It's not the end of the world. And then you will have your freedoms, you know, like just... It's not that hard. You're not, you're not being asked to go to war as a seventeen-year-old boy, um, and you know this is. You're just being asked to do some simple things. And if you think that that's taking away your privileges, well, then just get over yourself. Ooh. Yeah. So, so hang on. I just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bring that pulpit back over here, this side for a little while, just to, just to get myself back comfortable. I think, I think you're 100. <laughs> I think you're 100 right. And I think, um, not to get all political and stuff as we come towards the end of this podcast. Um, but that's one of the problems you see in America. You know, America is like my rights, my freedom. You can't tell me what to do. And and that's the whole, the whole, whole economy, the whole country has been set up on my freedoms as an American, I'll do what I want. And the government says do this and they go, fuck off. I'm an American. I don't, you, oh, no, small government. I don't do what you say. I do what I want. And I think 
that's that's a part of the the when I say the problem, it's like if you choose that, so be it. If you're Sweden and you want you know ten tenfold of your old people to die and get no financial GDP benefit from it whatsoever, you can make that decision and you can go with it. If you're America, you can make that decision and go with it. But but that's the reality of it. You know, my freedoms, me, 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 individualism. They call it exceptionalism. And that's the reason they've got, I'm assuming it's 190,000 dead by now and more to come. Uh, the funny thing is about that as well, I mean, you know, there is a lot of that talk about freedoms and, you know, these lockdowns and army, um, you know, people, police checkpoints and what is this country becoming? It's this draconian state. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's all take a deep breath. Let's all take a deep breath. We... we this is not something that happens every year. Yeah. There are ways that we're dealing with it. It is pretty weird. Um, but ultimately, why... We, we do have to have rules in the world. You know, because when there are stricter rules than we're used to, that's when those, oh, my God, where are our freedoms, heighten. When it's like, hey, mate, have you seen the movie The Purge? Purge, <laughs> where they give people 48 hours with no rules and what happens. Rules are needed. I'm sorry for calling, you know, um, th- we need rules. We need to play by some. So um, to, to live in a, in a, you know, in a safe environment, you know, like. Yeah, I'm actually just thinking so just from, listen to, from, just our, listen. from our previous conversations, maybe you could fill in for Hosking after that rant. Maybe it would, maybe it would be quite a good thing you can do. You could jump well, in there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'd never, never short of a conversation, Pat. <laughs> so, you know, someone gives me a microphone, I'll talk. Hey, um, Brody. if people want to know more about what you're up to, what you're doing at the moment, where you're at, um, your website is uh, brodykanemedia.com. Yes, and, that's the one. And that's, um, that's the best place yeah, to go so to I find do, everything? Yeah, well, it's got my, it's got my um, video content. I do a bit of writing, uh, and that's where you can go to read about or find out about more about the podcasts, The Girls, Uninterrupted, and Kiwi Yarns. Um, and then... If you want to see what I'm up to every day, just go on to Instagram at Brody Jean Kane, and that's sort of like an unfiltered access to daily mundane life, you know, going for runs, taking the dog for a walk, having a rant, whatever. Jean, eh? Jean is the middle one, eh? How do you feel about that? Yes, it is. You're, yeah. lo- you're loving that? that? That sounds like a bit of a yester. My middle name is Bede, so I'm not, there's no criticism for me. B-E-D-E is my middle name. So, so they're kind of names of yesteryear a little bit. Don't hear me. Don't, don't hear me yeah, too, that was, my, was too my, many, um, grandma's name. Yeah, you don't hear too many uh, baby jeans these days, do you? Although that sounds quite cool, baby jean. That's quite a cool name, actually. Baby jean does sound yeah, cool. It's not so bad. Hey, mate. Um, yeah, I like that. Loving the conversation, and uh, unfortunately, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now because I've got a, one of those horrible little children thing that I have to go take care of, little bastards. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do that. But it would be cool again to catch up again. And uh, one of the things I do love about this sort of thing, so different from, as we've talked about, the mainstream media or whatever you want to call it, commercial media, is that, you know, if we want to talk again in a few weeks' time, we can because no one's stopping us and we can just continue on. That's quite right. It's quite a good point you make there. Exactly. It's like, oh, what are you, good, what are you doing today? Oh, I've got a bit of time. Yeah. Brody Kane, you're a, a wonderful person and a legendary person. And thank you for joining us today and we'll talk again sometime soon. Thank you, Pat. Great to talk to you. 
All right, team, that's us done and dusted. The Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. It is a hassle-free, reliable, compact pod kit, and you can find out more about it at vaporium.nz. Hey, thanks for spending some time again with us today. I genuinely really appreciate you choosing us to listen to when you have so much um, available content to pick from. So uh, I will never stop being appreciative of you choosing to listen to us. I hope you enjoyed uh, Brody. Uh, and if you want to find out more about her and what she's up to, then just head to her website, uh, brodykanemedia.com. All right, if you want to contact us and get in touch with us, www.thedoc.nz or head to Facebook and just look up DOCNZ and you will find us very easy. We are the Department of Conversation. Not the other guys that sound a bit like us and have been around for a long time looking after the cuckapool. That's not us no matter how often we say it, we are the Department of Conversation. And I look forward to spending some more time with you next week. If you want to find out who's coming up, a good place to go is the Facebook page. All the details are on there for our future guests. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for joining us. Stay safe. Hooroo!